Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. I am trying to keep the spirits up, but there is somewhat of a melancholy tone that this show will have around it, given the LaMelo Ball injury that took place last night. Shams destroyed us really about 30 minutes after LaMelo Ball went to the locker room saying that his right ankle was fractured and he is now expected to miss the rest of the season. We do have Willie P's hair to get to. We have to dye it blue. I don't think it's going to happen during the show. I think we're going to put out a video afterwards, so that will lift our spirits. We also have a lot of Carolina Panthers conversation. For it to be February 28th and us be close to March Madness, but not quite there, to not have any NFL postseason to talk about, the Combine is starting this week. I do feel like this is more of a packed February 28th type of show than usual. Usually we're trying to comb through everything to figure out what the main storylines are. Unfortunately, we were given a negative, big, but negative storyline with LaMelo. We do have Derek Carr in Carolina. Those two parties are going to be meeting in Indianapolis today. So we can continue the Derek Carr debate, I imagine, a little bit later on. Carson Wentz has been released by Washington. His previous coach is now the coach of Carolina, so we can talk about Carson Wentz. And I'm excited, too. Not only do we have Willie P, but perhaps a slightly, slightly more famous guest will be joining us. K.K. Short. K. Juan Short. Panther defensive tackle extraordinaire who was awesome during their Super Bowl run. One of the better players in the league. He'll be joining us at 120. So we have a lot to get to. Busy, packed. Wesson Walker coming at you with a lot of content today from 12 to 3 p.m. And let's get started with the bus driver, Little Country, pulling us up to the scene. Open up the doors. Let's get off the bus. We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. So the team finds out that LaMelo has a fractured right ankle basically just minutes after the game is done and minutes before Steve Clifford and certain players speak to the media. Here's Steve Clifford discussing how, unfortunately, this has been all too frequent, them playing without the star LaMelo because this is the fourth ankle injury that he suffered. It's the separate one. The first three sprains happened to his left ankle, but now this fracture happened with his right ankle and so Steve Clifford talking about LaMelo Ball trying to stall here because we're still looking for the soundbite but Steve Clifford here he is talking about just how unfortunately they've kind of gotten used to playing without him unfortunately we're experienced at playing without all of them so it's not like it's going to be brand new but it's, it's, it's tough too because he was starting to play so well you know and the team obviously were playing better and better but um you know, that's the way, the, you know, they're not, not going to wait for us, you know, and they're going to keep scoring Wednesday night, too. So, you know, we can't, we got to be thinking about the things that matter. Hit us with your, uh, with your initial thoughts, Wes. What do you make of this injury and just how unfortunate it is? Uh, unfortunately, man, it's time to slap that label on them. As much as we don't want to 
uh, as Hornets fans, man, but we have to say it. He's injury prone uh, at this point. He's only been able to compete in 68% of the available games for the Hornets. That's 162 out of a possible 236 because remember in 2020-21 season, it was a 72-game year, but it's unfortunate, man, and you hate to see it for this franchise. And it's like in Charlotte, man, it's like can can you get anything? It always seems like every no. time something great happens, especially for the Hornets more so, you know, something happens. And for LaMelo, one of the bright young stars of the NBA, you know, this is just a thing now that you expect him to miss some time for something. And hopefully that does not continue. But last night watching it, man, I mean, it, it was just a freak injury. You know, he's doing a crossover on a guy and the ankle rolls over and that's all she wrote. So I hope for a speedy recovery for him. But as I said, man, it's just you have to call it what it is now that he's an injury-prone player to this point of his career. So we discuss him being injury-prone, and he did play 75 games last year, but you're right. He did miss a decent portion of his rookie season, came back for the last 10 games, and LaMelo had his numbers suffer because of it. He was still dealing with that wrist injury, but now you're dealing with quite a bit of ankle problems, a lot with his left, and now you have a fractured right ankle. Fiddy, you have something for us? Well, you said that Sham sweet about 30 minutes after the game last night just 10 minutes ago he did confirm that Lamelo ball will miss the remainder of the season so it is official they've got 19 games left to go there'll be no Lamelo ball on the court balling for the Hornets totally expected here from Sham Sharania he did break that I mean the game was still going on I think or maybe just a little bit after he broke that but regardless not anything crazy to hear there we expected it and now it is confirmed Lamelo ball will not play in any one of the remaining 19 games left absolutely the right call regardless of whether he would be able to come back the last five and I don't even think that would have been a possibility with this type of injury the injury prone label it's hard to argue that right now fine like I don't have any argument against him being injury prone mm -hmm. the real question is is this indicative of things to come are we so sure that he's so injury prone that this is someone who is unable to stay healthy as his career goes on and that's where I'm gonna give you a halt because we have seen Steph Curry come back from big-time ankle issues to start his career. The guy sprained his ankle five separate times, needed surgery, needed rehab, went through this whole process of where he was trying to transfer weight from his ankles to his hips on cuts and basketball movements to the point where he became one of the better basketball players of all time mm -hmm. and a multi-time champion. If you want to go to a body that is much more injury-prone, you can go to Joel Embiid. Remember the start of his career, everybody worries about foot problems with the big guys. Joel Embiid is someone that suffered from that at the very start, had no clue if he would be able to be living up to his talent the way he has, where he's going to be, I think, top two in MVP voting again, and it was a bad start to his career. So we don't have to use this as some future indicator in saying LaMelo can never bounce back. It can be worrisome, no doubt about it, but there still is some pretty significant room, Wes, for him to come back and us to still invest in him as fans and as an organization financially. Well, the thing is, it's funny you bring that up because I thought about that same thing, how much Curry got hurt early on, but then it's like you go back and you look, and outside of the 2011 season, eight of those years, he was 74 games or better. But the thing about Curry, when you talk about things to come, and what's a little bit surprising, but then when you go back and process it, you're like, man, the last five seasons, he was 51, 69, 5, 
63-64 and then 38 games this year. And so that's the thing that you hope that these ankle injuries and different things like that don't lend itself to other things down the road. I don't know what he'll have to do. If you remember with Curry, he had to start wearing the specialized ankle braces. Um, There were a lot of precautions that he started to take to make sure that that didn't happen anymore. And so I think for LaMelo, it will probably behoove him to contact Steph Curry, figure out what he did to get past his ankle injuries, and, you know, to try to see what he can do. And I know he's a young man, and he hasn't quite started growing into his grown man body yet, and hopefully that will help when he adds some weight and some strength uh, to his frame. But, yeah, man, I mean, at this point, especially – it's indirect, but it's direct because you look at his brother and you're starting to say, is this something that just kind of runs with these guys, whether it's for better or for worse or whether it makes sense or it doesn't make sense. But it's like his brother, in my opinion, his career is on the fringes, you know, with what he's got going on. And not saying that it's over, but I just think that that type of injury he has where nobody knows what's going on, that could be something he could be in and out all the time. So you hope that's not the case with Melo. But, yeah, man, I mean, like I said, it's just sad, man. The guy that everybody comes to see isn't going to be available. And, then you know, when they start the season, they're going to be extra cautious with them and all this type of stuff, man. And it just stinks when you don't have a guy that you can just take him off the leash every night. Well, and my question, too, is can there be a distinction between freak injury and injury prone because if you look at LaMelo's ankle sprains towards his left ankle you have the one instance where he came back his third game played after the first preseason sprain Mm -hmm. against Indiana like a minute left Mm -hmm. he tries to save a basketball out of bounds and steps on a fan's ankle Mm -hmm. pretty freak injury there Mm -hmm. against Houston he comes back about what a month later against Houston PJ Washington going for a rebound lands on LaMelo's ankle and then he's out for a few games and then comes back pretty quickly but misses still and we can still count that towards the ankle sprain so if we're discussing those instances right Mm -hmm. two times where either he stepped on an ankle or somebody stepped on his Mm -hmm. do you view that as a problem with his injury history or is the are those just is it unlucky and that's what Stefania Bell I go to that all the time when she would talk about Christian McCaffrey Keenan Allen whatever is he unhealthy or is he unlucky I do think a couple of those would indicate unlucky I mean they will freak you a bad place bad time but at the end of the day like I said regardless of how they happen when it starts to happen just frequently it may not be fair to the player but you do have to start calling them you know injury prone because they're not available it's like look at Anthony Davis look how many injuries he's had it seems like every time he turns around and he has Street more. Clothes, baby. Nobody has more freak injuries than he does. Running up the court, he'll pop a knee or or something will happen, and it's like freakish injuries at the at the fullest extent. But you still call him injury prone, nonetheless. Well, yeah, that that's happened a long time. I feel like his body's wearing on him, and, and Lamelo is young, and so I, I don't. Yeah, he's injury prone now. Will that continue is the question. And that's where I shrug my shoulders, and I certainly hope not. He's going to be eligible for a contract extension this summer. This has no bearing on that if you're the Hornets. You still throw every single dime that you can at LaMelo. Just in case that question is out there, you throw everything you can at LaMelo, especially with this franchise. We were all talking about how unlucky or how unsuccessful, right? Because it would be too much to absolve the Charlotte Hornets of all of the problems they've made throughout this organization's history. They've been unlucky and unsuccessful. 
That goes to show you can't play with LaMelo here. Like, you still throw him all of the money uh, that yeah, will come that contract extension. Yeah. Well, I wonder, there's been a lot of theories thrown out there because of this LaMelo injury, right? Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of people are talking about what whether he should have been playing the last month. Which oh, I have, exactly. No, and I'm, I'm I appreciate yeah. you thinking that too, yeah. like because that's, that's ridiculous. Absurd. It's, it's like Lamelo and these young guys don't even know how to win yet, and so I like the chemistry being built by Mark Williams, your first round pick, by Lamelo. You need everything you can to put Lamelo out there to try mm-hmm. to build towards the future. So I have zero problem with Lamelo playing. Is there any other problems that you have with the way that the Hornets have handled Lamelo this season? No. Or is this just kind of no. how it's been? It goes back. We don't want to go to the foul line today in the first segment. But but it just goes back to, like we said, man, these guys are young players. He should be out there playing when he's available. I feel like the Hornets, now maybe the first time, alluding to what Gordon Hayward's wife said, maybe the first time there was a bit of a rush, but I felt like that second time he was given ample time to come back. He came back on his terms, just from my understanding. And so, no, I don't think there's any problem in the fact that he shouldn't be playing, like, for what? Just because your team's losing now, guys should sit out. Give me a break. Yeah, I agree. Uh, he, The thing it is, just he's just been suffering some of these injuries this year, and the Hornets have not been able to catch a break. Kelly Oubre, I mean, hell, P.J. Washington's not even playing because he got injured. When Kelly Oubre comes back, it is the law of the Hornet. When someone comes back from injury, someone has to be sacrificed. It was P.J. for a little while. Now it's LaMelo for the long term. And it is confirmed, just recently tweeted by Shams, as far as an update goes, it is confirmed he will miss the final 19 games of the regular season. We will continue to talk about the Charlotte Hornets, LaMelo's injury. But coming up next, a little keep sounding. NFL Live Edition plus some NFL vet QBs are on the market. Derek Carr, Carolina, expected to meet in Indianapolis with the combine being held there. They're going to be meeting today. How much interest should there be for Carolina and Derek Carr? That's coming up next. Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. We are living in ACC nostalgia behind the scenes. Colin came in. Hoggard the historian talking about the conference back in its heyday, discussing how Maryland, we how much we miss that program being a part of the conference. I miss the ACC legends content that they would give you during the ACC tournament. It'd be like this minute long clip of today. We recognize the 1982 championship won by North Carolina, where James Worthy was a prominent player. I thought those things were awesome. And now we're like 20 years removed from that, where we could get the Juan Dixon type of remembrance, right? Or Ray Felton, Chris Paul, whatever. We've had so many new players. That's what I want. Give us your best piece of ACC nostalgia on the Garage Door Guru text line. 
704-570-9610. That's how you can share some of your thoughts and your comments. Real quickly, before we move on to some Vet QB talk, I did want to read some of the LaMelo comments. 980 number said that at least there is some maybe silver lining, something less than silver, maybe a bronze, whatever, that it's a broken bone instead of any ligament damage. So you're not having any kind of torn Achilles because LaMelo is leaving the court and he is talking to teammates and saying it popped, right? Like mm-hmm. it's very LeBron-esque. LaMelo is telling you it popped. It popped. <laughs> well, that's what just what happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I got you. So, just say no. Let's not do LeBron yet. We, we can talk about him later. Oh, I, I just want you know, he will be reassessed in two weeks, guys. Okay. LaMelo season's over, but LeBron... He'll be reassessed in two weeks, missing the, quote, most important games of his career. It was ridiculous when Sham said LeBron made, you know, miraculously played in the game. I like LeBron a lot, and even I thought that was hard eye roll. But anyways, Mm. he did say it was he did say it popped. And that was when everybody was worried about there being an Achilles injury, which would affect next year. And that would be a huge problem. So, no, it sucks that it's a fractured right ankle. At least it's not an Achilles injury. I agree with that 980 number. 704, when we were talking about the sacrifices that the Hornets have to make, 704 texted in, what if Mello is the final piece to move up to number one in the NBA draft? It would be fantastic. I mean, it would be David Robinson-esque. Robinson-esque. I am not going to sit here and advocate for an injury in order to get Wimbenyama. And so I am not going to talk about LaMelo's injury anymore. And by the way, last one, Fluke Juki wrote in, I swear Charlotte sports are always cursed when we start doing well. Yeah, five-game winning streak. Could you see, we couldn't have any more than that. Could you see the documentary now? The ankle <laughs> pop heard around the league. And then they show Mel on the ground. They put in slow-mo. You hear the producer in me coming out. The slow-mo. The players talk about what they thought. And then they go to the draft. You know, they have the panning shot outside of the arena and then they show when the Hornets get that pick. Could you imagine that? That's World Wide West directing a uh, movie. I want you to be... That would a, be a great documentary. You need to be a documentarian. 100%. Yes. And then just bring some theatrical pieces as yes. a director to it. Yes. You know, bring in some special effects. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Be Alright, World Wide Wimby, West. And then from then on, LaMelo played 82 games. He only set out for low management and him and Wimby became a new... Well, I can't say Gary Payton and Sean Kemp because LaMelo doesn't play defense, but... I have to come up with okay. some big man uh, guard combo they could be. All right. We can think of that. <laughs> People keep texting us your favorite piece of ACC nostalgia. I we'll, got one. We'll get to those texts at the end of the segment. We can share some of that. I did want to please the tease, as we've said. Yes. I want to do that with some of the NFL vet quarterback conversation because Carolina, Derek Carr, reportedly meeting today in Indianapolis, we have had our debates about Derek Carr and whether we want him to play quarterback next season for Carolina and beyond. I don't know how much we've really argued about the length of a potential contract. We've talked about Track having him at $37 million. Mm-hmm. So, okay, $37 million per year. Could get more, less. We'll just GFF use that as a baseline. has him as a $30 million average. To me, that's a game changer. If you can get him at $30 million. So... <laughs> I just want to draft somebody, right? Okay. Like because and we drafted the, Matt Corral. Yeah, I want to draft oh, somebody God. earlier, but you're you're saying you would rather give Matt Corral a shot to win starting QB? Or? You just said you want to draft somebody. You drafted one last year. You got to get to the point where you can realize they can pay Derek Carr <laughs> and still draft a quarterback, and that might be the best option. Oh, not not paying Derek Carr though. But if they trade up for thir- you're telling me you wouldn't pay Derek Carr thirty million dollars. 
That's a good deal. It's not as bad as 37. No. Yeah, 30 And then, and then draft deal. one? Okay. That's palatable. I mean, like, just think about this. Daniel Jones is going to command $40 million. Daniel Jones. And he's asking for it. Yeah. So if, if you can get Derek Carr at $30 million, But I'm not thinking about that. See, this is the problem, you right? Have to, because though. You're comparing but, apples and apples. But, but I, here's I what I'll put him at 11th quarterback salary. But, but this is the thing, though. I, that is not the argument I'm interested in having right now. Okay. I'm interested in having whether you want to go with the vet QB route at 30, at 35, at 40, whatever. Okay. I just don't want to do that. Because the reason I want to just clean the slate at QB, it has been a long time. And I understand where you might look at this draft class and say, okay, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, they just ain't it. So if the but okay, the argument becomes, do you want to draft a QB at nine or trade up or sign Derek Carr? I don't want to get Derek Carr on this roster, even if we're not even all that far apart on 30 to 37, Mm -hmm. even if we can both agree, maybe you're, you're probably higher on him, but what, like ninth best QB in the NFL, 13th. A lot of that is whatever and gets lost in translation. Like I don't care four spots difference in how good of he he is as a quarterback. Mm -hmm. I don't want to go that route where Derek Carr Probably helps you win a division in the NFC South. It's not a foregone conclusion, but let's just even say that. Let's say he wins. You can the win NFC a South. playoff game with him. Okay, great. Or two. I mean, okay. Or two. If you had Derek Carr going maybe. into a second round playoff game, you you feel somewhat confident. It's, it's it's fair to say that he hasn't done that yet. I mean, he hasn't even won one playoff game with a dysfunctional organization. Fair, yes. but he hasn't done it. You would be banking on something that you. has not happened yet. Like, no, I'm just saying. But if you went into a second round playoff game with him, you would feel like you got a chance. It, I mean, you're you're playing some really good teams at that point, but this maybe is true. Yeah, so well, every team that makes the playoffs is a good team. But with the Panthers team with a good defense led by Evero, but okay, you can make the defense that much better Running on game. a clean slate with a drafted uh, quarterback. And even like I I believe in Bryce Young. I I'm good. I'm with I, you. I know the size is a problem, but I believe in Bryce Young. If you trade up and go get him, cool. C.J. Stroud. I like C.J. Stroud. I hear the risk about Anthony Richardson and Will Levis. But I just don't want to go after a veteran QB at 30, 35, 40 million, mm-hmm. win the division, or maybe not. Like, we're maybe not. Seriously? But compete for the NFC South for the next, what, one or two years? Mm-hmm. He's 31 maybe, years old. Maybe three. But I don't want him to be my long term quarterback. And that's where we can differ. Well, first, we I need to answer why QB. they're meeting with him. Do we think they're serious about this? Well, they're looking into it. I mean, yeah. But do we think they're serious about signing him? Like, is this just a meet just. But whatever to kick the tires, or do we think this is real deal? What's it looking like? Do you want to come here? Do we need to start working on a contract? I think a lot of it depends on how the conversation goes and what each party wants, because there are other teams that might want them. If the Jets miss out on Aaron Rodgers, then maybe Derek Carr is the answer they go for and decide, okay, we can't get a Raj, so we'll go with Derek Carr. Or Tampa Bay, or New Orleans. I mean, New Orleans has been a leader in the clubhouse with Derek Carr. I think Derek Carr would like playing for the Panthers. I think there's a lot for him to like. Because if you come in, like I said, the Raiders have been the definition of unstable. He comes to the Panthers. Now, the Panthers haven't always made the most shrewd decisions, but he sees the commitment they made in the coaching staff. He knows as far as being coached, he's got Frank Reich here, and he's got Josh McCown here, and he's got Thomas Brown, one of the young up-and-coming offensive minds in this league. So, He's going to have stability as far as how he's being coached. He's going to have a running game. He's going to have a solid and steadily getting better offensive line. 
He's got a number one receiver. He's going to have a defense that with some tweaking can make some plays. So I think there's a lot to like for him here. New Orleans has a little bit, but to me, their coaching makes that a dub. The, the coaching is the big difference, but yeah. there were a lot of other and the boxes Jets that are they the same way. Too. But the co- but the and the Jets are kind of in the same lane to where they they just kind of they're just unstable. Like. They have some nice – they have a, a decent foundation that they have a good defense with some good young players on it. Offensively, they have okay skill weapons. Now, Brees Hall is nice. Well, Garrett Wilson is pretty damn well, nice, Well, yeah, too. yes. I'm sorry. I forget about him. My apologies. So, yeah. So, there's some things that like in New York, too. But at the end of the day, I just feel like it's still the Jets. Well, and that's where money can talk. And the cap situation now, New Orleans, I know they restructured some things. Carolina's going to have to restructure some things if they really want to go after Derek Carr. But you're paying Brian Burns. I want to hold on to Derek Brown. I don't want to pay Derek Carr and be a team that has to allocate the money that could be going towards other resources to be a team that is competing the next couple of years with a bad NFC South. Like that's been some of the argument for the Derek Carr pro trade forum people is the fact that the NFC South is so bad. But what happens when the other teams actually do invest in the long term QB? And if they hit bye. Like now you got Derek Carr for what two three God. years? Let's just re- let's refresh the slate now. Let's just do that right now. They have the opportunity. You think the fan base wants to keep wedding to win though? They haven't won in five years. You clean the slate when there's not a guarantee. Well, a yes. rookie, if you get but one, Derek, of- but Derek Carr, you're guaranteed to be competitive and win more than you won with Matt Rule. Wasn't you won since Prime Cam? Yeah. Now, if you get a good, if you get one of the top guys in the draft, I think the fan base will be a lot more patient because they'll be excited about said prospect. Yes, hundred. And, and I want to have a hope and a ceiling that is higher than Derek Carr. And we can disagree on that, but that's what I want, especially on a rookie scale contract to see. And the other thing too that people will argue about not drafting a rookie QB is that it sets you back for so many years. It's not true, man. I mean, we saw Arizona move on, but if, even if you don't want to move on or say that Arizona did it after drafting Josh yeah. Rosen in the first round, mm-hmm. but they went right after, and Kyler Murray, once they realized he wasn't it. And then you go to the Philadelphia Eagles. Mm-hmm. They drafted Carson Wentz very early on, yeah. and then they got Jalen Hurts. And it allows for mistakes, for sure. It, it, it does not set back a franchise. Now, you got to, I mean, sure, you want to hit on the QB, mm-hmm. right? I think people put so much more weight into missing on the QB that you draft and they don't look at missing on the QB you don't draft. And to me, that's equal weight. So you might as well just shoot your shot and throw a dart at the dartboard with one of these young QBs. Is this more of a reason to, would this make you feel better because you can move on so quick? Is this give you more of a reason to like Anthony Richardson? If you can move on quick, if it doesn't work, because he's like, as far as quarterback boomer bus, in my opinion, I haven't seen a, the, a bigger boomer bust than him because I'm telling you now, it's coming. The hype train is coming. He's going in the top three to four. You can book it because his workout is going to it's gonna be, be nice. spectacular. We, we, did think gonna this, be. we did think this about Malik Willis, too, and it didn't happen. Yeah, so but this is a different beast. This is a different beast right and, here, man. And you're right about that. This no. SEC, 6'4", 240. Sure. He going to run a 4'3", Oh, the throws it, are going to be crazy. I am kind of ready for it. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> the throws are going to be crazy. The scouts, they're going to be salivating over it, this guy. No, This uh, is fun. It's going to be a lot of fun to see the workouts, and then we'll see just how much fun it is once he hits the football field. But I think there's very real differences in who I'm willing to give up a ton of assets to go move up and get. Mm -hmm. I'm cool with Anthony Richardson at nine. 
seven, trading up a couple right, spots. Yeah, that's gonna be too low. Will well, and and so I miss out on it. And that. don't let him. And don't let him come out here Monday and get it in. If he comes out Monday and throws well, oh God, I like need, the dynamite is on. Well, that so for me. I'm only I'm, I'm only willing to risk the amount of assets to move up maybe a couple of spots for uh-huh. either Levis or Richardson. Yeah. For C.J. Stroud, for Bryce Young, mm-hmm. as we start to get a little more familiar with the conversation, the narrative, the film, mm-hmm. the athletic traits, as we start to get more familiar with that, where yeah. I am now, I'm cool with moving up quite far to go get Stroud and Bryce Young. And I just was hearing, I forget her name, the NFL Nation reporter for Chicago, Mm -hmm. saying that she doesn't think Chicago is actually going to get as much as they're hoping for. Yeah, I heard that. For number one. You know, how much are we talking? Yeah, think about this, though. As far as you not wanting to move up and give up assets, think about this. Well, no, I am, just there's levels to it. And there's always going to be different tiers of prospects. But as far as the guys that you feel like can come in and be difference makers, the guys that can eventually turn into the Allens, the Mahomes, the all these caliber guys, it's going to be a top tier, win playoff games consistently type of quarterback. Okay, so you don't you stay at nine this year. Richardson, Levis, all these guys go before you get a chance. Well, are you going to be bad enough the next year to get Caleb or Drake? That's going to be a tall ask to be top two bad because those two next year are going to go one, two, because people will give up. No doubt about it. Women, children, everything for one, two <laughs> next year. Okay. That's how bad it's going to be. I will trade you my firstborn for that's Drake. How, that's man. what I'm saying. That's how bad it's going to be next year if Drake May comes out and has the type of year he's capable of and with Anthony, I mean with uh, Caleb Williams. But so you don't get either of those two, then neither of the top four this year. And then if you don't sign a vet, like, Ooh, that's going to be looking a little dice. No, see, I think I'm glad you brought that up. If you draft Anthony Richardson or Will Levis, then that means you're still going to have a real shot at being an awful team next year. You could, but not the Panthers. But, not, I, but I, I kind of agree with that, but you're going to be closer than you would be with Derek Carr. So if you don't want to draft any of these QBs or you don't think that they're going to pan out very well, mm-hmm. your options are drafting best player available not QB position and then you know rolling with Sam Darnold again I mean even hey, that's bro. even that's going to make you a little too good but if you sign Derek Carr you're definitely not going to get anywhere close to one or two right like that that is at worst you know pretty mediocre but to the point where you can't get the first or second overall pick if you take a shot at Richardson and Will Levis and things go horribly wrong to where you are a bottom 5 team or something like that, where you're going to get closer, and then maybe you can just do it again. You trade Richardson or the QB you drafted, and you might have a shot at Drake May or Caleb Williams. But Derek Carr, if you did sign him and you didn't get there, if, if you feel like that's the route you want to go and you want to stay at nine, you don't want to give up assets, and you feel like these young guys are going to be ahead, he's only 32. Derek Carr, the way he plays, he can play for another seven years easily. He can play till he's almost 40 or 40. If you want him as your long-term QB. That's what I'm saying. But you but you be able to have him for a long, long time. So your quarterback situation isn't in shambles. You've got a guy that can be there for quite a while. But, the, yeah, I think that's one of the worst places to be in. If your quarterback is not in shambles, but he's also not a star. Well, that's your opinion. Yeah, I, I didn't know. I think. I think that's it. That is my opinion. Yes. No, I think he's a star. I don't think he's a superstar quarterback, but I think he's a star quarterback. I mean, 
He's got multiple Pro Bowls. He's got a lot of numbers to oh, back up pro, that he's Tyler a star. Huntley's got a Pro Bowl. Come on. I mean, no, no, we can't do that now. He's a legit Pro Bowl. Yeah, we can't do that. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. He got but one I mean, this year. He's got a lot of, now. Yeah. This year he got a Pro but Bowl. He, he's, he's got, got a lot of yards. He's got a lot of stats and superlatives that lend itself to him being a star, just not a superstar. What about he has a superstar? <laughs> like, we're just. <laughs> What well, there's doing? only what, one of those. Well, there's only a couple of those. Okay. Super duper Few. star, superstar, all star. Is he an all star? Yes. But he's not a superstar. No, he's not a superstar. Superstars win playoff games. What about a, a supernova? Supernova is 15 okay. in Kansas City. All right. Very good. Just wanted to get all of those categories distinguished. <laughs> Let's go to the first Fitty Flash of the day. What you got for us, Fitty? Well, guys, we're going to do a wide receiver breakdown. So I thought maybe we could set the scene a little bit with some wide receiver news. The Giants plan to release wide receiver Kenny Galladay two years after he signed a four-year, $72 million contract. We We know the Panthers maybe need another weapon or two to take this passing game to a new level. Wes already said no. Walker. Would this guy interest you at all in the free agent market? And believe it or not, this contract is worse than Derek Carr's contract at $37 million. No way. At Kenny Gall- hey, Galladay. Well, you hear these shots he's taking at Carr, boy. <laughs> you talking about awkward training camp if they end up signing him. Oh, yeah. When and we're course, out there. Yeah, hey, Derek, nice to meet you. My name's but he's so Bell, nice. Derek, Derek Carr's so nice, though, that he will forgive you for Hold what on. you're saying. Y'all are going to be. I am. I am. He's such a nice guy. I am baffled at both of you. For trying to bring up that conversation piece. Well, you don't like confrontation. Calling people out and then saying we're going to have awkward training camps. Hello, J.C. Horn. Nice to meet you. I hope to God we don't ever bring him I on do. this show. Aaron Rodgers, goodness gracious. Yes, oh, please pull up. Rod, We're going viral if Aaron Rodgers comes on. I would love to call him a shot straight to his face. <laughs> I mean. And I'm there right there with 50. If he try to swing on 50, I'm right there. Okay. Well, goodness gracious. I say I, say I don't want to pay Derek Carr $37 million, and then we're calling no, me. No, no, Walker. Don't try to throw that rock and hide your hand. You just took a shot at him just now. You, you, you've taken multiple shots at Derek Carr. We got a laundry list of those, my man. Oh, we got a CVS receipt of your oh, shots yes. at people. But we're ready, we'll though. All of that. You say you don't like confrontation. No, I'm scared. I cower in a corner That's good and, radio. And, and That's, pee myself. We're going viral. 570 We have confrontation. It's okay. It's okay. We do. It's Wes and Walker. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Garage Door Guru text line 704-570-9610. 
Hit up Wesson Walker on Twitter, the WFNC Twitter, and the WFNC Instagram. Hit that follow button. All right. It is time for us to go on campus. We just left the dining hall, and now it's time to go to the campus. Kona. What do we eat? Uh, let's see. It depends. If it's the beginning of the semester, we had some uh, extra money on the side besides the meal plan that you could eat at like Chick-fil-A and KFC and stuff like that. But if it's like mid-semester near the end, you got to go to the dining hall. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I'm getting that 50% off deal at yeah. Domino's. Normally about money. two weeks. Yeah, normally about after two weeks, your uh, side, your extra money's gone because you spent the Chick-fil-A getting two sandwiches, fries, nuggets, and, and beer. Yeah. Well, I don't know if we could buy beer with that, but... Uh, hmm. You have a fake ID. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Carolina last night, they shot 43% from the field, but shot a blistering 48% from three. This follows off their sharp shooting uh, evening against Virginia on Saturday as they beat Florida State, who shot 20% from three and 41% from the field. The Heels have now won back-to-back games. Okay. Florida State made a late surge. But listen, are you worried about the late surge that FSU had or do you have confidence in UNC that they are starting to get it together? I think I'm I'm a little bit more confident in that North Carolina is starting to get it together. But yeah, I mean, the Florida State surge was certainly worrisome. But North Carolina with Pete Nance starting to play a little bit better. I, I think that this is a North Carolina team that is starting to play better as the season goes on. And so I think that's what I would put more stock into. Armando Baycott only scored one point in this game against Florida State. Mm-hmm. He's got to be more involved, but they were still able to get the job done. And you know what? Everybody else picked up the lack of production of Armando Baycott. Pete Nance shot 50% from three, and inside two-point arc, it was real bad. But at least he hit his three-pointers, and at least he hit all six of his free throws. Caleb Love, decent shooting night for him. I think R.J. Davis is really starting to get over the injury. I think at least the numbers are indicating that. Mm-hmm. So I feel decent about what North Carolina did. Uh, I mean, I don't. I still don't take a lot of stock in it. I feel like I constantly have to preface myself by saying this is not a UNC hate speaking, but I think they caught a Virginia team that's that down bad. That came off of uh, a bad showing against Boston College, and I think they caught a Florida State team that was a little bit emotionally drained from the Miami game, even though Florida State almost miami them. But I still, like I said, to me, once you get to this point in the season, I think you are what you are. For the most part, this is not a great shooting team. They've had a couple of great shooting nights as of recent out of 43% from the field. You know, that's just okay. The one point by Armando Baycott, I mean, good Lord, trying to pick the player of the year is just like, (laughs) what do you do? I mean, every night it seems like another prime candidate falters. It's just been frustrating to try to figure that out. But we'll see. Carolina has more games to convince me. But as of right now, I just feel like they've gotten a couple of nice breaks their way. Which, hey, listen, when you want to make a run or when you want to get something done, sometimes you need a little luck. So catching some teams at the right time could be very advantageous for them. Well, and and Leaky Black, we got to highlight him. I mean, it's maybe the best offensive performance we've seen from him at his UNC career. That was his best game as a Tar Heel, in my opinion. 18 points, had the had the calm down possession. He had the one that made you relax in your seat a little bit more as a North Carolina fan where you just took a little bit of a sigh of relief after the slam, which he's always been weird to me because he's always seemed like a more athletic guy, but never gives you that type of highlight dunk. 
until this game against Florida State and then gave you the jam that really sealed the deal for North Carolina and gave you a little bit more comfort. Yeah, so, I mean, the Duke game this week is going to loom large. That's not saying a whole lot, but as far as just Carolina – they had them last night, I believe, the first four out. I mean, I don't understand how they're still – I know it's Carolina. People want them in the tournament. I mean, the NCAA tournament is better when Carolina's in it. I could be frank there, but as far as just how they play this year, I do not think that this is a NCAA caliber team. Like I said, I mean, you looked at it last night. Clemson is 23-8, and eight, if I'm not mistaken, and they had them in there as well. But then you still hear people talking about Carolina's got a shot, and if they do this, and if they do that, and if they do that, and I'm like, how? Like they don't have a bad loss. Well, I mean, the thing is, if you're going to do that, you got to compare them to some of the other teams that are going to be out, right? Like this is not a a shoe in right now. Mm -hmm. We've all kind of talked about it. If they get the win against Virginia, quad one win, so they took care of that. They're still on the outside looking in. If they take care of business against Duke, quad one win. And we've even talked about them not losing in the ACC tournament. That's going to be the kicker, right? Right. So, so if we're discussing them, how many wins in a row would that be at that point? I mean, you're talking about what five if you're talking about getting some victories or at least one in the ACC tournament so you beat Notre Dame you beat Virginia beat Florida State you beat Duke you get that win in the ACC tourney five games that you win to end the season I mean I think that's probably about right for a team that is a first four team out right now well and my thing is like even though I think I I think they're going to beat Duke obviously Saturday I think they'll win their 7-10 or 7-15 matchup in Greensboro if they lose the next round and they're still in, they're still going to Dayton. They're not going to be solidly in the field. They're still going to have to play their way right. into the actual field at 64, you know? I think that's what's being misconstrued with their with their bubble watch is that if they make the tournament, unless they win the ACC tournament, they're going to be in Dayton. Well, and just some house cleaning. I don't know if Duke is a quad one win or not, but it's still a good one. Right now it is. Uh, yeah, so, so if they take care of business, Q1, I mean, that'd be multiple. That's huge compared to the first... 75% of the season where they didn't have one. And now to get two, that would be a big deal. So let's hear from Joe Lenardi and what he thinks, based off what you guys are saying, what you think about Carolina's tournament chances. First of all, it's not a matter of convincing me. As I've told Seth for 15 years, I've never had a vote. But, but here's the deal. If it wasn't for North Carolina on the chest and we were looking at a team one and eight in quad one with a net of 47 they wouldn't even be this close but it's human nature there's no other bubble team that was in the national championship game last year so for me kev they need two more up wins they need to beat duke at home and then they need one on a neutral floor in the acc tournament because their best wins have all come at home yo yo that's been the scenario the entire time (laughs) like that's dumb i'm sorry like joe lenardi talking about how they need to have that win and an acc tourney win the context that we just gave yeah and then for you to say that it's because of the nc on the front of the jersey that they have a shot and then you laid out a very real scenario for them in order to get in like what are we doing? You're describing the actual reality of what's going on here. If they win against Duke and they win an ACC tourney game, maybe two, the North Carolina will be one of the last teams in, one of the first four in, first eight, whatever, 
I, t- what, what is relevant about the NC being on the front of their chest as it pertains to that comment? Zero. It's it has zero relevance. Well, I think my question is this: Would the would the conversation be different if it was Duke, Kansas, Indiana, or UCLA? No, that would still be like because of their name and their brand power, it would still be there. I've got a simple solution. Let's just go win the damn ACC tournament so we can flip off all these people that want to just find a reason to keep <laughs> us out of the field when they all say, "Well, the tournament's better when Carolina's in there." Well, with that. And Fiddy's passion, he's, he's still going over there, man. I think I see a vein coming out of his neck. So, listen, we're going to take that and go to break. And when we come back, we're going to break down the Carolina Panthers' wide receiver room. And training camp will be a make-or-break scenario for this guy. We'll talk about that when we come back. This is the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.